Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's the source of wisdom? How can you live a more conscious life? Sometimes it's the questions that bring you your own quantum leaps. Wisdom Talk Radio brings you conversations with visionary thinkers, business mentors, and provocative authors and teachers, along with resources that point the way for you to claim your potential in service to the world. Join Laurie Seymour at Wisdom Talk Radio for explorations in conscious living. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or find us at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. The Mosaic Life Podcast is a podcast on happiness, and it aims to explore why so many of us chase it, and yet we never seem to find it. My name is Trey Kaufman, and you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram at Trey Kaufman. If you find value in this particular episode, or you've found value in previous episodes, I would greatly appreciate your support. And you can show that support in a number of different ways. First of which, by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me continue growing and helps others just like yourselves discover the conversations we have here. And you can visit the mosaiclifepodcast.com to check out the show notes for all of these episodes and more. And you can also sign up for the Mosaic Life Circle newsletter. That's an email newsletter you'll receive once or twice weekly with new content announcements. My guest today is another incredible example of how important it is to design the life you want to live. That's really been a consistent theme recently with Nathaniel J. Brown a couple of weeks ago and Emma Holmes last week. And I suppose it shouldn't come as a surprise that I find myself embodying the wisdom of my guests during our conversations, as well as following their release. When I have the opportunity to have a life-changing conversation, the substance of its meaning is penetrating. Even if I can't remember it word for word, and it may or may not surprise you to learn that I can't remember these conversations word for word, their takeaways and lessons tend to stick with me long after the fact. I really hope that's the case for those who listen as well. Michelle Mercier is a business strategy coach and motivational speaker. Michelle is also the host of the Resilient Entrepreneur podcast, which debuted on iTunes at number 15 in the entrepreneur category and cracked the top 100 in countries across the globe. She has 20 plus years of corporate and professional experience, and Michelle has worked with a wide range of different businesses from nationally acclaimed nonprofits to major corporations like PayPal. Today, she primarily works with entrepreneurs and small or medium businesses to help them grow and maintain long-term success. She loves leveraging her years of experience and expertise to help bring individuals and companies to the next level. Michelle and I spend time discussing putting ourselves at the top of our to-do lists, and we share strategies for how we do so. And maybe it's a bit too simplistic to say it this way, but this year I've started blocking days off of my schedule to take time for me. 
and when my work, this podcast included, is so heavily dependent on my schedule and allowing people access to it through Calendly, taking a day for myself a month in advance by blocking a day out makes it so much easier to accept that I've earned that time. What's more, your clients or your guests or anyone else demanding your time don't know why you're not available, nor do they need to. Like anything else in life, planning for it is the only way to consistently and responsibly, and by that I mean not ghosting a client, get it done. This is an amazing conversation for entrepreneurs and employees alike. Please welcome my guest, the amazing Michelle Mercier. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on here. I really, really appreciate uh, you, you doing this. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> How's uh, How has the start of your spring been? Um, it's actually been pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie. I That's think, great. you know, we were, we were joking about it earlier, how... I don't know. I didn't know how bad February felt <laughs> until until spring came. I know. So it's nice to be back to the sunny weather and the warmer, Absolutely. warmer weather. <laughs> to me, and I've said this before, spring always feels like a finish line to me. Like we, we, we're yeah. running this marathon <laughs> and finally we get to just kind of sit back and, and rest just for a little bit, even if we're, you know, still hustling hard, yeah. but at least we get to enjoy ourselves. I don't, it's a weird mindset, but it helps me kind of push through the, the dark days of winter. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I just, I feel like we get over kind of that January like hump where you're like, set your goals and do all the things and start <laughs> off strong. And, yeah. and, you know, but once you hit March or you know, end of March or this time of year, April, you can actually exhale a little bit I know, and just move more into flow, which is always a nice place to be. Absolutely. I agree. No. So you said you're in Boston, right? Yeah. I'm right outside Boston in a town called Hudson. Okay. So. So yeah. in the winter, in like the dead of winter, it gets dark. At what time does it get dark there? I don't know. It feels like it's always dark. <laughs> no, but it's usually around like um, four o'clock. Oh, so wow. which, yeah, it's yeah. you go to work in the dark. If when you were actually leaving your house, you would go to work in the dark and yeah. come home in the dark. That's crazy. Um, but now I feel like we're at we're up to about like maybe six thirty seven o'clock. So okay. that's not too bad. That's great. I, I have been to Boston a couple of times and I remember randomly waking up at like four thirty in the morning in the summer and it was like getting light out already. And that was insane to me. I I, I never thought about I I mean, I understand how time zones work, but I guess I never really considered it. Yeah, it's different. It's different. I remember for one year I was actually in Hawaii during the time change and they don't change their times. So I was all sorts of messed up, especially when we came back. <laughs> Because yeah. everyone had moved their clocks and yeah. stuff while we were gone. So it's always interesting. It is. It is. It absolutely is. Well, I, I appreciate what you said about, you know, when we, when we hit January, we start talking about <laughs> goals. And then, you know, we kind of find that flow state once spring comes. Now, I have made an effort over the last few years as to not fall into that new year, new you trap, which I... I think the, yes. the ideal behind it is great. You know, let's improve ourselves. But everybody just, at least public perception seems to be when you hit January 1st, we're, we have all these great ideas and we're going to, you know, we're going to expel all this bad stuff from our from our past. And the, the, the <laughs> problem is, you know, we hit April or, um, January 15th, you know, that's all out the window. And so 
what I love, exactly. what I have started to tr try to strive to do is, you know, when I have a goal, let's lay it out. Let's see what it looks like. Let's see how I can start taking a mm -hmm. step forward right now so I don't get caught up in, you know, this, this everybody rushing at the, at the starting line to, you know, start at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. This year, especially, I thought the, like, the emphasis on new year, new you, planning your goals thing was just, whew, it was, it was on steroids, you know, and I, and I understand yeah. that probably stems from the fact that folks have been, they needed something to look forward to and, <laughs> you know, the dumpster fire of 2020 to, to leave on some levels. Yeah. But, you know, I'm more of the mindset like you are as well. And I encourage my clients to do that too, because if the only time you're reassessing your life and your goals is Jan one, then you're behind the eight ball. Yeah. Like you're already kind of behind and it doesn't allow you to pivot as quickly you know, Absolutely. or just to make positive change that's aligned with that chapter of your life, yeah. I think too. Agreed. You know, for some reason, this analogy keeps popping into my head. I, I've never run a triathlon, but my buddy has. And he told <laughs> me about uh, the starting line, or at least the starting of the swim section, where everybody just rushes into the water at, at the yeah. same time, hundreds yeah. of people. And people actually like come close to drowning because they're getting trampled on. And that's just, that's what January <laughs> 1st <laughs> seems to me. That's such a good image, uh, <laughs> too, the more yeah. that I'm thinking about it. because, But I think also there's something to say about, like, knowing yourself. Yeah. Like, I know my peak kind of creative times, you know, is we're in it, for me at least, right yeah. now, like, where I feel the sense of kind of flow, where it feels a little better to create, you know, and I know that right after the holidays, I mean, I have two little kids, I am toast yeah. yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> after that. So, you know, understanding how you actually operate is a good thing. So you're not operating on somebody else's schedule. And to your point, getting trampled yeah. when you leave the finish line. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about that, because I love the idea of flow state, and I've never called it that before, but it just feels good to me. And I, you know, I think about what we were just talking about, He's sitting here by the window with a wide open, sunny, not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. I've, I've got, you know, my, my cold brew coffee next to me. I feel really good right now. And so what does your yeah. flow state look like when you are just knocking workout left and right, and you just feel like you're on top of the world? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, flow is a good word for it, because I found least for myself and oftentimes for the majority of my clients as well, that the more, the more you push it, the more you force it, you know, to happen, the less likely, you know, it's almost yeah. a kind of resistance that comes back at you from that. So for me, you know, in this chapter of life, I've just kind of reinitiated re myself, if that's a word, into, you know, what flow means to me. And for right. me, it's allowing enough wiggle room in my week. It's not jam packing my schedule. It's maintaining, you know, I have what's usually referred to as an untouchable day. Yes. So I have that every Wednesday where, you know, it's, it's my choice what to do on that day, but it's not, it's not packed with client meetings or, yeah. you know, anything like that. So being in flow to me means it doesn't feel like I'm forcing it. Yeah. And I don't like being in, there's a season for hustle. Yes. and grind and all those words, but that's not supposed to be, at least in my opinion, your normal state. I agree. I agree. And I think that at least in certain industries, tech being in particular, um, yes. there's that mentality that you need to be hustling, hustling and grinding yep. 100% of the yes. time. You've got people like, and I, I respect his message, but you've got people like Gary V saying, you know, don't... <laughs> you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. You should not live for the weekend, you know, get it done right now. Yeah. So you can, you know, uh, reap the benefits later in life. And that I, I, I took that to heart for a couple of years. And I always thought that 
I wanted to, you know, create this big ad agency and take over the world until I realized what was actually important to me. And what was actually important mm-hmm. to me was having time for myself, time to run, time to mountain bike, time to rock climb, time to actually spend yeah. outdoors. That is so incredibly important to me. And so I came to find that if I have clients that I, I truly love and enjoy and I have enough recurring revenue that I'm comfortable enough to be able to sustain me through these things. That's all I really yeah. need. And I love working for myself and only for myself in that regard. Yes. Yes. I think oftentimes folks forget about the time freedom aspect yeah. of being an entrepreneur and it is filled. You, what I was very conscious not to recreate, and I still backslide and I still do it, is that kind of mindset from the tech world that I came out with, you know, that I I have to remind myself, I went into entrepreneurship for the time freedom ability to be able to kind of give myself the grace and space to flow through it. um, Because that's important. And to your point, what you're talking about is a customized version of what success means, which I think a lot of folks we've been painted this picture of what successful people do look like, whatever. And really success is a personalized decision on some level. I mean, not, not when it comes to, is your company profitable or is it not like that's a little bit more black and white, but you know, depending on the season of your life you're in, you know, you really have to define to your point, what success looks and feels like for you in that season. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's a great definition of success. And you said customized version of success, which I love. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we talked yeah. about previously, this this is a show generally focused around happiness and to each their own yeah. in that regard as well. You need a customized version of happiness. And I so I, I so relate with that. And I, I do know and I want to touch on I want to touch on the fact that you worked for PayPal for a good part of your career. But before that, you know, when you talk about shutting off Wednesdays for yourselves, I love that. Yeah. And I just recently, probably in the last month or so, started setting aside an entire week where I, I, I won't take on any additional meetings and I won't do any podcast interviews. I will just take that week to get everything that I need to get done, done. So it's kind of a, you can call it a catch up week if you want to, that probably is the branding needs to be worked on in that regard. But it's just a week where I can get client work done that I've not been focusing on. And then following that, the following Thursday and Friday, I just take for myself and this is so dumb, but I call those two days, tracation days. Um, But it's just (laughs) nice to have that time where I can just recharge where I don't have anybody distracting me. I just do things that I love and enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, we're not saying it's easy folks either. Right. Right. (laughs) Cause but the thing is, is there's always going to be one more thing to do. And I mean, I am a complete recovering workaholic and I like it. I like to work. So for me to say every Wednesday, you know, I'm not going to work is really hard. (laughs) Um, But to your point, it's that recharge because once you start operating in the negative, you kind of normalize that for yourself and you don't realize how much more productive you can be when your brain is firing on all the cylinders, when you've infused joy into your life and it is a priority, um, that, you know, that really and truly does make a difference. Although people think it's counterproductive, but it's not. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and so I, I I am, I'm curious and I think I was start. I, I, I've been able to prioritize that time when I finally took control of my calendar and my schedule. How yes. important has yes. that been for you? 
hugely important. I think that's the thing with the last year and the pandemic and kind of that work-life blend is for me, I had to fully really take take control of my calendar. And I also had to get very intentional on what I wanted to do and very realistic because, you know, two kids at home, you have to know what you're going to set out to do and be realistic with it. Yeah. Um, and I had to safeguard it because I kind of am beginning to believe that boundaries and safeguarding your calendar and stepping into that power is a form of self-care yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and honestly there's, there's times when I think it's the most important piece of self-care because then you're driving your calendar and your calendar is not driving you yeah. for lack of a better term. Absolutely. Yeah. So going back, we talk about the tech mentality. So you worked in, in tech for a part of your career. You can let me know how long, but you were, you were with PayPal, correct? Yeah. So we were, I was a member of a company called eDialogue, who was then bought by GSI, who was then bought by eBay. And, you know, PayPal was still in the family at that yeah. point in time. So I was technically on the eBay side, but servicing PayPal, which was all kind of in the same family, which is confusing. So what, what was, I, I've never worked in the, in, in tech from the Silicon Valley standpoint, uh, you know, I, 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 my, my agency, I, I focus on web design, but I've never had that, um, kind of that, that hustle and grind, I guess, culture, uh, surrounding my work. Yeah. And so what, you know, what was that like being, you know, in the middle of that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing because I worked a lot with Europe, so PayPal Europe. Yeah. And let me just say that the the hustle mentality is very different over here in America than it is over there. Yeah. So it was always interesting because the 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 main stakeholders were in America, right? But the yeah. people that I was working with were in Europe. So it was a very kind of interesting dynamic. But you know, I'm also the type of person that when I'm placed in a situation like that. I'm never going to half-ass anything. That's yeah. not really my, that's not really how I operate. So it's almost being in a situation where everybody's hustling and it's kind of, it's kind of just part of the culture yeah. was really hard for me. And and quite frankly, almost like took me out. <laughs> well, it did take me out in a couple, couple places, but it's, it's just this badge of busy, you know, that, yeah. that comes with that mentality. And I feel like it's changing a little bit. Um, from what I'm seeing from the industry, but back then it was, you know, I was working from five thirty in the morning until Asia Pacific came on, whenever that was. Right. Yeah. I. I. I get. I guess I. I'm. I'm obviously not as close to it as you are, but I, I think mm -hmm. from the standpoint that people seem to be migrating away from the, the valley and from California in general, a lot of people going to Austin, even a lot of people are coming here to Columbus of all places. It just yeah. seems like people are realizing that the appeal that that culture, that lifestyle once had, it's it's not nearly as valuable to our lives as we once thought. Yes. And I and I think also <laughs> I'm just thinking back of kind of when I was was starting and I was very, you know, I was pretty naive, you know. So you're you're especially if you're younger in your career, you're trying to prove yourself. Right. You're trying to not be thought as less than, but also the culture is like when you think about things like ping pong tables yeah. in the offices and <laughs> all of that stuff, you know, free snacks all the time, which is amazing when you're in your twenties. Right. But I could never do something like that right now with two little kids, I want to get in get my work done and get the hell out. Yeah. 
because I have other priorities. So I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that works because a startup, it is a startup. I mean, let's be honest, like it's, if you're in a startup mentality, it's, it's hard fucking work. Yeah. You're at the ground level. Yeah. But once you get kind of past that, if you've done, in my opinion, at least, if you've done the correct work when it comes to scaling it and putting processes in place and understanding the people that you're working with, you know, you can be a little bit more flexible and it doesn't have to have that maintain that startup energy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting to see how, how that mentality has kind of shifted in the last year. I mean, you, you've got companies like yeah. Twitter saying that they're going full remote, which is awesome. Um, but you, to your point, you know, you've got the snack bar, but you've, and you've also got companies like Google, you know, serving all three meals to you, but dinner's yeah. not starting until seven or eight o'clock at night because they want to keep you in the office that much longer. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I don't know how that's going to work, work from a, from a pr productivity standpoint. I have to imagine, you know, gi giving the hardworking engineers the ability to have a little bit of flexibility will hopefully increase their output, but who knows? I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's just what it sparks in me because I'm literally preparing to give a talk on some of this stuff yeah. for next week. So <laughs> top of mind, and especially with, you're starting to see the articles come out right now of, you know, the next phase, this hybrid phase for companies right. of I'm half working at home, half not, some are here, some are there. You know, it just, it just lends itself to our larger, our larger call to action for individuals to be mindful of their boundaries. Yeah. Right. And really, because the thing is, is when you can work and blend the two of those things, there's a convenience factor, but there's also the ability for it to bleed in. Right. So you have to really be essentially looking at work-life integration yes. and then saying, okay, which slices of the pie are taking up which percentage and do I want to adjust that? Whereas if not, the companies just kind of, kind of take over your life in a, that's kind of a dramatic sense, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, I definitely get what you're saying. And it's, it's an interesting dichotomy, at least for me, maybe perhaps for yourself, you know, as entrepreneurs, I, 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 I don't mind that bleeding to me, to a certain extent, I am my brand. Obviously my name yeah. is in this podcast. And so when I go out and, and I'm around other people, I don't mind it talking about it. But at the same time, when I worked in corporate America, I hated talking about work after the fact. I just, I did, I wanted nothing to do with it. And I just, obviously when you own something, you're going to have a much higher buy-in. And so I wonder, yeah. you know, how that, that, that bleeding over or that integration looks you know when we get back to normal and we really start to become associated we really start to associate our name with the company that that you know signs our paychecks right right i mean i think it it just always comes back to and i don't want to be naive right and and act like this is such a simple thing because it's not especially when you are working for a company right yeah. you're not necessarily the decision maker around every aspect of your schedule when it comes to that right but I think people need to kind of take this next chapter as, you know, a moment to pause and reassess yeah. and kind of do that wheel of life exercise and say, okay, if, if during this chapter work is going to be, you know, the priority, what does the rest of it look like? Right. And then be constantly to our earlier conversation, you know, be reassessing that not just on Jan 1 right. so that you can truly architect the life that you want to be living and not have it architect you, I guess, yeah. the other way around. 
I love that you just said that because I was literally just about to bring up that 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 phrase that you had said previously. So talk to me about that because I, I think a lot of people just expect, you know, their day to be what it is. It is what it is. I and mean, it's a very apathetic yeah. mindset, but we can really design what our lives look like. And to me, that's been systematizing so many different elements of my day to day. And that's been so important to me. It's been really fun to do that as well. But when you just have that, that apathy kind of, you know, that, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm drifting down the river. I'm, I'm going to go wherever it goes. I, I, yeah. how, what, what has that been like for you being able to say, I can design exactly what my life looks like? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it comes down to your ability to choose and people forget that, you know, by not choosing your default, making a choice. Right. Um, so I'm a big fan of what I call the, the intersection of self-awareness and choice, yeah. right? If you don't look at it, that is still a choice right? Like if you opt to kind of move through with apathy, you're opting for that. But if you are self-aware enough to know and to check back in, you can say, okay, I'm going to make a choice to keep this the same. I'm going to make a choice to react to this because either way, you're always making a choice. And for me, what it's meant is, you know, it gives me more power because now I'm the captain of my ship, right? I'm not kind of just floating through this thing. And it's a knowing choice that I made and an informed one and an intentional yeah. one, <laughs> which, is, which is what I like, you know, about being an entrepreneur. But also if you're in a company as well, sometimes I think folks feel like they don't have the power to, to design anything, but you just have to focus on what you can control and what you can't control release. Yeah. Say that again, the, the the intersection of what and choice, I, I want to make sure that that kind of burns into my memory there. Yeah. So I refer to it as the intersection of self-awareness okay. and choice, okay. because if you're not self-aware, which I think there needs to be a much bigger emphasis on folks being more self-aware, especially yeah. leaders, Yeah. Um, you, you're not knowingly making a choice. You're just kind of floating through, like you said, and that in itself, what people don't realize is a choice. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. and if you can't control it, you can choose how to react to it. Yeah. So there's always, my opinion, there's kind of always, in majority of situations, a choice. Yeah, I like that. Um, and you know, I I, I oftentimes think back to the, the days uh, in which I worked for somebody else, and I I usually jokingly say my last real job, but I, I think about. You know, in the last 10 years, there's been a, a push to improve the culture of, of corporate America. And I think to a certain extent, as, as you pointed out, you know, that's having ping pong tables and, and snacks and whatnot. And I think that was that was a good step in the right direction. But I think the argument has been made and it probably is actively being made that that is not necessarily what culture is. And I think to a certain degree, it's exactly what you were just talking about, em- empowering employees to, you know, have the choice surrounding you know, how they structure their days, how, how they manage their schedules, you know, how, how they get their work done. And I think hopefully we saw a lot of, a lot more of that in the last year. What have you been seeing, I guess, direct, in direct relation to culture and, you know, how employee employers were employing their employees or empowering rather? Yeah. I mean, I was just speaking with some members from a company that I'm working with the other day and, you know, they're, they've done an amazing job of empowering their people while actually supporting them and remembering that they are people, yeah. I think is the, is the challenge, right? Cause we've all seen the situations where the people who are so far, far up the food chain, 
you know, it, the trickle down effect of messaging yes. or whatever that means doesn't doesn't really permeate down below. Yeah. But I think there are some companies that I'm seeing that are doing some really amazing things around, you know, just a simple thing as, you know, a group of managers was just instructed in that out of that company to actually ask their employees how they're doing, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, you know, you ask, but you have to ask and actually mean it. Yeah. I think that's a differentiator and being able to, since we were kind of all same, same storm, different boats, for lack of a better phrase there with the pandemic, right. um, it, it put everybody somewhat on level playing field in regards to everybody was feeling the emotions. So it brought back that human aspect of business where, you know, don't ask someone, how, how are you? Just because it's the the normal thing you say, ask them and actually mean it. So I am seeing some of that stuff, which is really lovely to see. That's great. I, I, yeah, I, I, I I love, I love, I love having, it's it's a great feeling when you have somebody when you have this sense that somebody actually cares about your well being, yeah. and I, I just finished reading um, the Happiness Advantage, and I yeah. can't remember the author, but it's it's a it's a book on positive psychology, which is extremely fascinating to me, and it's something that I've been aiming to learn more about. But in essence, and this is boiled down to a very simplistic um, way of saying it, if you are happy if you have a positive mindset going into a task, you are far more likely to succeed in that task than you are to be happy following the success of the, of the task. Because whenever we complete a goal or a task, we, we generally reach out for more. But we just, if we have a positive mentality going into something that we aim to accomplish, then we are far more likely to accomplish that goal. And if we are in a workplace where we feel like, our managers or our, our, our higher ops, superiors, you know, C-suite executives truly care about not just the end result of our work, but how we are feeling as, as, as workers or as, as employees or even individuals, then that's just going to be so much better for everybody involved. Right, right. Now, I agree. And, I, and I'm, not saying it's, I'm not saying it's easy, right? right? I don't want anyone to think that because I, having been in leadership positions too, like you've got a lot of people you're answering to. Right. You might have stakeholders, you might have board members, you might have people above you, whatever it may be. So you're getting kind of hit from all sides. But I think also it doesn't take a lot of effort. <laughs> I think right. that's what, what always cracks me up, you know, especially since we were, we were bought and sold quite a bit when I was in corporate and I remember, and they probably hated it. Some of my, some of my superiors, <laughs> I would print out like an infograph on change management yeah. and like stealthily it would be left on desks <laughs> places. Um, because I think if you just understand a little bit about the psychology of people, it goes a really long way. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not going to take up massive amounts of time to, to be in a one-on-one with somebody or to be in a meeting and just say, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Or remember that they have kids or remember, you know, it's just peopling. Like it's not, I don't know. It's not as hard as people may, may think it is. Yeah. Just peopling. I've, I've not heard that before. I like that. You just made it up, I think right now. So cool. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. So you, you, you get that trademark I, that, that, that goes to you. That's, I love that. Right? It's, I mean, we, we laugh, but it makes sense. I mean, if you, if you, you have that, that, um, that, power dynamic when I, I just I think back to you know sitting in front of my boss going over sales reports you have that 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 
that feeling that they're above you. But if you met somebody on the street and you shook their hand, which I know people don't do anymore, but you, have, you strike up a conversation, it's just peopling. You're just, you're, you're just be nice to somebody, you know, show empathy, show respect. <laughs> Yeah. And I think oftentimes folks, I mean, and it's not, it's not to discredit what anybody's going through, but sometimes we're just stuck too much in our own shit. Yeah. Right. So we can't, we don't have the capacity necessarily. And I think especially during this, um, to do that, but understanding that doing it for somebody else or reaching out and supporting somebody else actually could help you, you know, as a coach and a consultant, I can't, tell you the amount of times where my clients have taught me something yeah. or my employees have taught me something. Yeah. Right. So it's all about that level of empathy and that will motivate people way more than, you know, the, the sales, the sales sp- spiels on like our bottom line numbers were this and our, this is this like, great. <laughs> and I, yeah. I think that's great information to know too. However, you need to couple it with the soft skills yeah. on the other end. Absolutely. You know, what I, what I truly love about talking with uh, folks like yourself, consultants, coaches, is that they get to use their experience to guide others. And that, that I, really, I really try to distinguish that from, from gurus who claim to have all the answers. I love, yeah. I love coaches because you've been through shit. We've all been through shit. And if, if we can look at that and really remove the judgment and figure out what exactly I learned from that situation, you can help others right. accomplish their goals. And so I, I, I say that to kind of segue into inviting you to talk a little bit about, you know, how you fell out of corporate America to get to the work that you're doing now. Yeah. So that was a very good segue, by the way, (laughs) spoken from podcast host to podcast host. Very good job. Um, So, you know, I had been working a ton and I had at the time one, only one child. And, you know, I was on a plane to Europe. I was, you know, working again in tech. It was around the clock. And my youngest son had gotten really sick or my oldest at the time had gotten really sick. So, you know, I had kind of started reevaluating things in general because it was very difficult as you can imagine to be running, you know, this international team while juggling multiple doctor's appointments. And then, you know, our company got bought again, our business unit got bought again out from, out from eBay. And, you know, a lot of stuff was outsourced and a lot of stuff was being rearranged. And I went out on maternity leave And my second son was born who had, you know, even bigger medical challenges than the first one. Um, So now I was running both of those concurrently. And then, you know, as I was going back to work, I was also laid off. So, and at that moment, and not to be dramatic, I always call it kind of my floor moment because I could deal with, for some reason, I could deal with my children, you know, turning blue and being sick and all of the craziness that went with that. But my identity was so wrapped up in that job that like that brought me to my knees for some reason. Um, it was kind of the the tipping point. So and in that in that moment or at that time, I had a decision. You know, I could I could take it and I could have stepped right back into a similar role at a different company, or I could maybe craft a life that felt a little bit more familiar to me because prior to 
working in corporate, you know, I graduated with a theater and music major, for goodness sakes. (laughs) And then, you know, worked in nonprofits. My master's degree is in managing nonprofits. So, you know, I didn't really recognize who I was at that point. Um, And also looking back, the amount of things I had to juggle with the kids, I would never have been able to sustain. Right you know, full-time gig somewhere. But, you know, my first strategy when I, when I made that decision was to kind of undo any of the stuff that I knew. So, I mean, I did everything when I started my company, which is called Create Honesty, mainly because I never want to kind of lose myself again. I always want to stay true to myself with my business. Um, You know, I did everything from documentary screenings on body image to you know, community projects on gratitude to, you know, I just, I ran the gamut and the whole time I was business coaching and consulting too with it, but I really wanted to undo things to understand me at the core. I mean, that might sound cheesy, but I really didn't know what I liked, what I didn't like, or where I wanted to pursue things next. So, you know, a couple of years of that really helped me figure it out again because a lot of people when I started were like, well, where's your business plan? Where's your this? Where's your that? And I said, I'm not doing that. Right. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that stuff. I appreciate it. I understand what you're doing, but I'd rather, I'd rather kind of flow through this a little differently. Yeah. So and now, you know, now I get to use all of my collective skill sets to to help other people doing similar things. So it's it's a very cool journey. Yeah, that is uh... <sighs> That is quite the journey, um, and it's. I, I I hate to get get hung up on this point, but I, I can't stress how fucked up it is that somebody would lay you off while on maternity leave. I, I, I and again I I know it at times I feel like or it seems like I've got a vendetta against corporate America, and maybe to an extent I do, but I just I. I I don't, I don't know that, that, that irks me, that, that rubs me in such the, such the wrong way. So I'm glad that you were able to, you know, find that floor and, you know, use it as a propellant upward, as opposed to, you know, just, you know, crashing into it and, and not being able to, to move, being in, being paralyzed from it. Yeah. I mean, and, and on a lot of levels, like it's kind of, well, number one, they were technically right after maternity leave. Right. Okay, so right, we'll, right. we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think on the other end of things too, from a business perspective and pregnant or not, or right or wrong, I wasn't attached to anything. Yeah. I wasn't attached to current projects or anything like that. So I could, I could understand from maybe that perspective, but I'm also a big proponent of, you know, the universe, I didn't, I shouldn't have been there anyway. And the universe has an interesting way of, you know, taking you out of the game or taking you off the board where you're not supposed to be. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of where I went with that. And I didn't like it anyway. It was a favor. Yeah. So (laughs) absolutely. And so let's look at it at at a different, from a different perspective. And I, I try not to be cliche in saying this, but I mean, if, if that hadn't have happened, who knows if you would have created your company? Who knows if you'd still be there? And, and your fulfillment, right. to me, it, it seems, is so much higher. It's higher than it's ever been in in, in your you know uh, yeah. work career. Yeah, I mean, it's, and that's the thing is looking like because hindsight, obviously, but right. Right. I was always kind of an entrepreneur. Yeah, it was always I was always the one kind of thinking out of the box. I was always the one like going, but what about this? Yeah. You know, which which sometimes doesn't go over so well in some meetings. I was very vocal, um, which serves you well in some fronts. Right. But I am much happier this way. And again, like 
we, our family dealt with some serious shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, it sounds like with it. the kids and stuff like that. Yeah. And also, I've dealt with I've dealt with some personal medical stuff myself, and I don't know how I would have maintained that. Yeah. <laughs> with I would have impl- I would have imploded. Like yeah. there's there's no way. <laughs> so previously, you talked about building resilience muscles, which, I mean, mm-hmm. if, if there's an example of that, it sounds like you just yeah. gave it. I mean, I, w- yeah. I know there's there's got to be a million different ways to, to do that, including, you know, seeing the obstacle as the way, which is a book I reference more than, often than I should, but seeing adversity as an opportunity to learn and to grow, which is not a mindset that I think we're naturally attuned to. And so at some point you need to reach that, that, that turning point and, and say, okay, th- here, here, this is, this is an inflection point for me. I need to make a choice. I can either again, right. you know, stay floating on this river and eventually drown, or I can, you know, start moving my arms, start kicking my legs, scream like hell and get to the other side. Yeah. Yes. Um, I agree that our, our society is not, I mean, we saw, we saw the resiliency muscles tested, right. 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 When everything shut down and, and stuff like that. And, and my husband and I've had conversations about that, that when stuff hit here for our family, you know, was it hard? Yes. Was it as hard as it would have been if we hadn't just gone through the all the shit before that? Right. No, it was kind of like eh, another thing, right? <laughs> another weave <laughs> to make or a different direction to go in. Yeah. But, you know, from a resiliency standpoint, you know, I, I'd love the fact of looking at it like a muscle, because if you haven't gone through the shit, yes. you don't know how to build your muscles yeah. for it. Right. And you yeah. have to go through the fire um, in order to do that. But there's always the sweet spot, though, where you can look back and do the learnings. Cause if you do it too early, you're probably still angry about the situation. Your emotions are flaring. You know, there has to be kind of that time to process and release yeah. so that you can look at something, you know, with a little bit of detachment. I think it was um, Renee Brown and I follow her kind of her rule of, of operating of if something's happened to me, I'm not going to publicly speak about it until I've processed it yes. myself. Yes. Um, so, but that doesn't negate the learnings and to come full circle to the conversation about choice, you know, you can choose how to frame that situation. Yeah. My husband and I made a very, very um, specific decision when we were going through all of it to not let it define us. Yeah. Right. You can, you can easily let the crappy situation you're in define your entire being, yeah. or you can purposefully go through it and say, this is a chapter, this is not all of me. And, you know, seek out, actively seek out joy while you're going through to it. Because I think sometimes we forget about that piece too. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's a line in a song that I like, and I had never really thought about what it meant until this very conversation. I can't remember the name of the song. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's by Ben Kaplan, great singer, kind of folksy. Mm -hmm. But he says something along the lines, I think it's like, there ain't enough shit to climb out the latrine, which I just thought it was, you know, a cutesy play on words. But I mean, it, it makes sense in the context of this conversation. Like the shit will continue to pile up and you can either drown in it or you can use it to get out of the hole in which you've dug for yourself or that's been dug for you rather. Right, right. And I think it it just comes <laughs> just comes with kind of that learning that life isn't just always good. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that's the thing is I think sometimes when we're, when we're growing up, um, when things are good, that's right. When things are bad, that's wrong. And it's very black and white yeah. thinking of it. Whereas a lot of our lives are lived in this gray zone of, you know, 
some a little good, some a little bad, you know, it's a mixture, it's a mixed bag. So understanding, like when folks ask me kind of what my definition of resilience is, I tend to, I tend to say it's like embracing the spectrum of emotions that comes with the situation and still moving forward because, yeah. you know, you can't be black and white on it. Right. And I, I would challenge us in this conversation to kind of extrapolate that a little bit more by saying yeah. that the words good and bad are placed yeah. on situations ourselves. I mean, they're, they're our personal bias, but they are our personal bias that we are inflecting upon, you know, our own lives. And to, to that, to that very point, I, I, I generally like to talk about how failure is not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's an opportunity yeah. for us to realize that something doesn't work this way. Let's try it a different way. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, yes, absolutely. hundred percent. And also failure is not a person. Right. Failure is like, I remember who said the quote that's going to, that says it way more eloquently than I am right now, but it's a moment in time. Yeah. Right. It's not, it doesn't, you can choose whether or not it defines you. And then you learn from it, keep going. But it's not a person. I hate it when people are like, I'm I'm a failure. I'm like, uh, yeah. no, this was a failed failed situation, but you're not a failure. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to, to that very point, when you work with your clients who have that mentality, that mindset, I mean, how, because it's a very, very sensitive thing. Because I think yeah. when they say that, they truly believe it. And you see that that's yeah. not the case. And other people can see that that's not the case. You are, you are a human being. I mean, you are learning and growing along with the rest of us. But if you think that you're a failure, then you're going to have that mentality and it's going to continue to drag yeah. you down. So how do you help people escape that or help take a step upward and outward? Well, I think it's about speaking, speaking in facts, number one, right? Yeah. Like, so, you know, doing the postmortem on a situation that you were, that you failed at, but also all of my sessions that I run with clients, the first thing we do in the session is go over wins. Yeah. They could be big, they could be small, whatever, because there's always something good. So that in itself disproves this, I'm a failure thing. Right. And I think also, you know, you have to kind of help the people to rewire the difference between the I am and the situation is. Yeah. Because what is it? Um I'm trying to remember who said it, but it essentially like it's the difference between like saying I am a failure or the situation was fit was a failure. Right. Internalizing that shame of I am insert whatever here yeah. versus, you know, just guilt and all those emotions. So I try to help them speak in facts and to just kind of reiterate, you know, the good things that they have done. Because even if you come to me and you're on a session and you failed at X, the next session, we're starting right again with wins. Yes. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not going to keep going because I'm going to kind of have to have you keep going. It's part of my gig. <laughs> Kind of part of my job. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, it, to me, that feels very much like we are not our thoughts. I mean, they, 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 they exist. Yeah. We can, we can, we can create space for them, but they are not us. I and mean, they, they are things that come and go. And just like failures and just like wins, they, they come and go. Yeah. And we have to, if we can have that, that, that positive mindset or that, that I guess that, that, that objectivity about them, it's so much easier mm -hmm. just to continue day on and day on and, and realize that we are capable of so much more. Yeah. And I think it's also about honoring all of the emotions, Yeah, right? Like you yeah. can have a positive mindset and you can understand the flow of it all, but you know what, we're, we're going to have shitty days, right? Like that's, 
that's part of being a human. That's a human experience, yeah. right? So being prepared for those things as well with some of my clients, I would literally create a kind of like way to desuckify your day, essentially. Like, yeah. what are the tools that go into that? Like, is it a bike ride? Is it this? Is it that? You know, so that you can go through that process because it's usually teaching you something anyway when you are kind of feeling those emotions. But, you know, but also being careful. Like I like to think you just use the word kind of disrupt, you know, disrupting the pattern that comes with that thought process and that mentality so that you're not allowing, you know, for lack of a better phrase, confirmation bias to keep you in that loop, you know, so that you can see things outside yourself. Yeah. I like I like how you said that desuckify your day, and it, it kind of brings me to one of the last points that I, I want to talk about is you know putting yourself at the top of your to do list. Uh, that's that's something you had said in our um, actually in the question there, which I, I I appreciate and that kind of resonated with me. And it can be so easy to do just the opposite. And I and I speak from yeah. my own standpoint, especially as an entrepreneur. You have so many things that are on that are so much higher above that, and it kind of goes it harkens back to you know taking control of our, our schedule. Um, because right. if we, if we don't, if we don't take control of our to-do list and put ourselves at the very top, then we are going to bury ourselves in client work or yes. anything else that comes before us. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think it's interesting. So that kind of topic of putting yourself on the top of your to-do list came from a blog that I wrote. I don't even know, right when I was starting, yeah. I think my business. So it's like five years ago. And I actually had someone reach out to me and they're like, Michelle, you know, you're asking me to put myself at the top, but what if I don't even exist on the list? Like, what if I'm not even on it? And I was like, oh goodness. I'm like, but it's so so true because that's more common. Right. I think than anything else, because it's our priorities are put on again, this version of success that may not be ours, but also just from a, just from a logical perspective, if you are your business, your body gives out, your mind gives out, your business gives out. Yeah. So, and I've myself have experienced that because I have a lot of autoimmune issues where I don't function, my clients don't function, my speaking gigs don't function. So it's it's almost self-care as a business strategy, yeah. um, for lack of a better phrase. Absolutely. What is, I, I know it has become kind of buzzy and I, I try to be cognizant of that, but I mean, self-care, it, yeah. it, it is so important. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's not it's not on the same level as you know culture within a company uh, self care right. taking care of yourself it's just it's more than bubble baths and you know drinking a glass of wine yeah. i mean you really really have to focus on a 360 view of of yourself and that includes nutrition that includes nu- that it includes sleep that includes things yeah. that we just kind of see as natural parts of our life but if we're not doing our best to optimize them then they're just going to they're going to suffer in quality and that is make, going to make us suffer in return so when you help a client or even yourself tackle self-care what does that look like well i mean i think first off is you know i cover the worthiness factor right like do you feel worthy of putting yourself on the list or to the top of the list right because if you don't sometimes people especially in the realm of working out you know especially jan one you see people say like i'm going to go to the gym every single day yeah right but if you don't feel worthy of doing it you're not going to fucking do it right or you know, you're looking at it as I either do it all the days or I suck, Yeah. you know, and there has to be this kind of gradual climb where quality is 
is better than quantity when it comes to self-care. Oftentimes with clients, I would literally say, okay, let's, if you can't find it anywhere, you know, because you have kids or you have life responsibilities or whatever it is, like how about 15 non-negotiable minutes for you a day? Yeah. Can we do that? And when they say they can't, I call bullshit because there's 24 hours a day. Let's say you're sleeping six of them. That's a lot of hours. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we start by making sure that they feel worthy of doing that and there aren't any other emotional blocks. And then we identify, you know, how much time can we allocate to that? And then how can we habit stack? Because I'm a big fan of habit stacking. Um, How can we put things in play that will build upon themselves going forward that becomes second nature to you because for some reason, this mentality of self-care is a luxury, which cracks me up because how are we going to function that way? Um, you know, it has to go. Yeah. Like it's not, to your point, it's not bubble baths, bubble baths and all and massages. They're freaking fantastic. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. But like, that's a mini recharge. Yeah. We need the consecutive nature of just ongoing self-care so that we can run the marathon Absolutely. that we're given. What are, what are some of the things that, what does self-care mean to you personally? I mean, we, we can talk about clients, we can talk about people we work with all day, but for you personally, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm like, we talked about earlier, I'm a big fan of boundaries and I've gotten better with them and not letting things bleed in and bleed out as well as listening to myself. That for me is a a form of self-care because there's a time, and I mean, I'm still guilty of it, where someone will ask me to do something and like the answer is yes, yes. of course I can, yes. will come right out of my mouth just by habit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so having to retrain myself of that is a, a form of self-care. But then I'm also a big fan of, you know, what I call bookending your days. Yeah. So having kind of a morning routine and then an evening routine to close out the day. But I mean, for me, because I'm in, I'm in the season with small kids, that I have to have some flexibility within the framework of that. Yeah. So, you know, maybe my morning routine doesn't happen the minute my eyes open. Maybe it happens once they go to school right. or, you know, started on something different. But, you know, just that's kind of what keeps me sane. Gratitude, listening to certain podcasts, getting my head to the right place um, and meditation. I'm a big, yeah. big fan of meditation that's nowadays, right. too. That's fantastic. And I, to, to your very point, it's so important that we... We're not so rigid that we can't have a little bit of, of wiggle room here and there. I mean, yeah. we yeah. things are going to happen. We don't live in a vacuum. This, our lives are not static. Yeah. And so if things change, that's okay. That's okay. Just make adjustments right. so you can allow that to, to work within your life. Yeah, and don't jam-pack every moment of your schedule, you know, so that you can't, you can't adjust. Right. I think that's something I learned because my kids were were sick and because I was getting that come pick your kid up call from, from daycare, like a lot. So I knew that if I packed back to back to back meetings on every single day, something was getting blown out of the water. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I just learned to keep some, keep a little bit of white space to be able to adjust where needed. Yeah. So how do you, um, you talk about not saying yes to everything. How do you say no? Because on the surface, that seems like a silly question, but it it is so hard sometimes to tell somebody no. And I don't know if it's a feeling of obligation that you owe somebody something, but saying no so you can keep your schedule in control or just your life, it, it, it can be extremely difficult. 
Yeah. Difficult is like an understatement, (laughs) (laughs) especially if you're of the mindset of like, you know, pleasing and performing and not disappointing people and validating yourself through others' actions. Um, You know, the number one thing that I, I say when I work with clients and for myself, to be honest, is, you know, what are my priorities in this chapter of life? You know, and there can't be more than top three. You know, that's my opinion of it. You know, for example, mine are, you know, my health, um, my family and my business. Okay. And friends will fall in there, you know, when they can. So if it's not aligned with those, you know, I have to really think hard about, is this aligned with my top? No, it's may not be a no, maybe it's just a not right now. Right. Or, you know, you really have to have that baseline to be able to bump something up against in order to say no. Yeah. I love it. I love that. Michelle, this has been an incredible conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, before we wrap up, I've got a, a few closing questions that I'd like to ask. And the first of which is, if there happens to be somebody listening across the country who really resonated, this, this message just resonated with them, what are you, how are you looking to grow? And what resources do you need to do so? If somebody, could, if somebody said, hey, I can help you with that growth goal, and I know we talked a lot about goals here, what would that be? And you know, what resources could they provide to help you in that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, for myself, I'm trying to, you know, on the business front, but a little bit of personal too, because we teach what we need to be taught. Yeah. Um, I'm looking to really expand my speaking area of things because I think that more people need to be given permission to do some of the things that we've spoken about on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and the more I can be in front of people and the more I can speak about it, the more permission that could be granted to folks. So that's kind of one of the things that I'm looking to build and increase right now. That's fantastic. I love that. Have um, just a follow-up question to that. Are our speaking engagements starting to come back? I I hope. I hope so. I mean, I'm still virtual in a lot of them, um, but I'm hoping because there's nothing, nothing wrong with virtual. They're, they're great too, but there's nothing that beats that kind of energy of a room. That's the word of people all learning together. Energy was the word I was, I was definitely, yeah, yeah, it just, it's so much different having so many inspirational in front of you talking about things that are truly drive into your soul. There's nothing like it. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Uh, Next question. You know, books are a huge part of my life and I I generally like to ask this question because it comes somewhat of a cheat code for me. I like to know what books have changed my guests' lives. And so I always like to ask, if you could name one book that has just had such a profound impact in your life, what would it be and why? Yeah, that is is such a tough question because I'm like you, I read a lot of stuff. (laughs) But I think if I had to pick, I mean, there's different books for different seasons of my life. But if I have to kind of go back and pick one, it is a book by Ayala Van Zandt. I don't know if you know who that is, um, called Yesterday I Cried. And the reason why that book is so big for me is because of the timing. I think I read it right around the beginning of my 20s, um, right around when it came out. And it was at a time where, you know, I grew up in kind of a tumultuous household where I was trying to figure out, you know, how to let go of things, how to move forward, how I wanted to show up in the world, you know, and that was a very, very influential book, you know, followed by anything by Brene Brown, (laughs) you know, stuff like that too. That's fantastic. No, I had not heard of that book or the author before. So I I will obviously have it in the show notes, but I I will definitely check it out too. I appreciate that. And I Mm -hmm. like... I like what you, you've used it multiple times, seasons of my life. I, I love yes. that. It's, it's very eloquent, but it also is, is very apt. I mean, it, it's, 
if you think about it, it's visceral. I mean, we, we think about how we learn and grow and how we change and evolve, not based on the seasons that we look out outside, but, you know, how we have yeah. grown to become different people. And it just, it feels so real to me. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, of course. Of course. I just think it also gives me permission kind of, cause I'm, you know, I have, I'm a typical overachiever on a lot of levels that if I can look at my life as seasons, there's a season for a certain task to get done. That means there's a another season for the ones that I'm saying no to, yeah. to move towards. So it kind of gives me that little bit of freedom as well. I love that. All right. Last question. If you could offer listeners one personal call to action, what would it be? Uh, maintain your boundaries, folks. That's so important. <laughs> you know, really, <laughs> I just, I can't stress enough that untouchable day or even untouchable hours. Yeah. Because I think when I say untouchable day to some clients, they're like, you're out of your damn mind, Michelle. Like, I can't do that. But what if it's just one untouchable hour right. or two untouchable hours in your entire week, folks? Like, yeah. put it in perspective and speak in facts about yeah. that. Like, get realistic about the hours. That's perfect. I, I I couldn't I couldn't echo a better piece of advice. So thank you for that. And uh, Michelle, if people would, would like to reach out to you, if they'd like to contact you, what is the best way to find out uh, more about you? Yeah, sure. So my website is probably the best, the, the good starting point, which is createhonesty.com. My handles across most of the social platforms as well is Create Honesty. And you can find me really anywhere there or even on my podcast, which is The Resilient Entrepreneur. So I mean, any of those places, you can find me. That's perfect. And I, I didn't mention it earlier, but I actually love that company name, Create Honesty. That's it's, it's perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Well, no, thank you. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. I, I, I don't know. To, to me, whenever I talk with somebody who, and again, this hyperbole, escaped corporate America and lived to tell a tale about it, not only that, but helps people, even if people want to stay there, it helps people have a positive outlook on not just their work, but their lives as well. That's, right. That is a really, right. really important work. So I appreciate everything you're doing. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for the shout out on that. I, I appreciate you too, because there has to be these conversations and it can't necessarily be in a, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. Absolutely. Like you just have to, again, define your own version of success. Yeah, definitely. Well, again, Michelle, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. One more time. I would like to extend a huge thank you to Michelle for joining me on the podcast. If you would like to learn more about Michelle, if you'd like to connect with her, I highly encourage you to check out the show notes either in your podcast players or at the mosaic life podcast.com. Everything Michelle and I talked about, including her social media links and her website URL can be found there. If you enjoyed this conversation, and I certainly hope you did, you can show your support for the podcast by leaving a five star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way in helping others just like yourselves discover the content created here. And you can also press subscribe. That's probably the easiest way to share your support and you'll be notified of brand new episodes each and every week. And of course, I'd like to extend a huge thank you to you for taking time out of your day each and every week to listen to these conversations. Not only does it mean the world to me, but also it shows that you are looking to do better in your own life, to create more space for your happiness and fulfillment. And I can't stress enough how empowering that is to me to know that you want to live as the best version of yourself. 
thank you all again. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.